0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I am Chris Cuomo. Welcome to
1: primetime. Are we going to see history? Will President Biden get the biggest infrastructure spending bill done ever? Certainly since the New Deal. Does he get that and the largest spending bill ever on a raft of rescue money for working families that is popular everywhere, all places or faces? Or does he get nothing, at least tonight? The progressives are now in charge of that party, often dismissed as the fringe, radical, socialist wing. They're in control. They are the stewards of President Biden's agenda. The Speaker has three hours left to unify her party around this $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. And she is still signaling there will be a vote tonight. In fact, she's been optimistic all day.
2: We're on a path to win the vote. Think positively.
1: How strong is the power of positive thinking? Because Pelosi said she'd only bring the vote to the floor if she had the votes to pass it. And the progressives are being pretty clear about how any vote would go tonight.
3: You're, you're not worried some of your and you file members of this, the no, progressive Congress caucus Congress will break ranks.
4: Never, I am so proud of our caucus. I have never seen our caucus so strong.
1: No deal on the build back better bill, meaning the spending bill, no infrastructure. That's what the progressives are saying. And Jayapal, who you just heard, that is the head of the Progressive Caucus in the House. She also put out a tweet that was basically a smackdown to the Speaker, reminding her caucus, stick to the plan, pass both bills together. And to show how far apart this party is, you got Jayapal here, right? You have Josh Gottheimer, who's a leading moderate. He's one of the Problem Solvers Caucus. He says he's 1,000% certain that the infrastructure bill is going to pass tonight. Are they in the same party? Are they in the same universe? Let's go live to Capitol Hill with the very latest to Chief Congressional Correspondent Manu Raju.
3: Manu, where are we? Well, I just spoke to Bernie Sanders, the Senate Budget Committee chairman. He was in a meeting inside of Chuck Schumer's office with top White House officials as they have been scrambling the White House Democratic leaders to cut some sort of deal, an outline of a deal on that larger bill. And he told me just moments ago that the infrastructure bill, if it comes up for a vote in the House tonight, should be defeated. He's calling on progressives to defeat that bill. And he calls it absurd that there is late night deal making on this massive, large package that that they're trying to move and to expand the social safety net. He said this has been negotiated for months and we shouldn't be working at the last minute before a major vote on this on this larger package. We should continue to discuss, get a deal that we're all comfortable with and move both pieces of legislation together. Now that is significant because what the White House and Democratic leaders had hoped was to get a deal an outline that would be signed up on by all the major players. Mansion Cinema Bernie Sanders, Biden, get Pelosi and Schumer on board that could sell it to the progressive caucus and they could say, "Okay, we're going to move forward on that larger plan. We will now green light and approve that $1.2 trillion infrastructure plan, send it to Biden's desk because we know that other bigger bill eventually will come forward. But what Bernie Sanders just signaled, he said... I'm not ready to do that right now. Let's mm. defeat the bill. And that's a real challenge to Pelosi as she is pushing forward for this vote to still happen tonight, Chris. But it's really hard to see how she gets enough votes, a majority of the mm. House, to approve it.
1: I have two questions, brother. Uh, first, uh, it's interesting, right, because everybody's trying to put the stink on Manchin. But it is Bernie saying, no, don't even vote for that bill tonight. Now, was Manchin and or Cinema in the meeting that you're talking about right now with Sanders in the White House?
3: So they were not in the meeting, but Manchin and Cinema did meet for about 45 minutes together. And we know that they've also been having discussions with various White House officials, Schumer's staff as well, through the course of the last several days and including into today. So there had been some communication back and forth, but they were not at that meeting. This was a meeting between Chuck Schumer's staff with the White House staff, including Susan Rice, who's one of the top White House officials. She also is on the House side of the Capitol trying to sort out some sort of agreement. And Chris, the House... Was supposed to come back into session this hour right. because they thought they could get to a vote. They've delayed it to the next hour. So they're still scrambling to get a deal. Nancy Pelosi is just not ready to pull the plug quite yet.
1: All right, so let's talk about Pelosi. That was my, my uh, second point here. Um, people can say they like her, they don't like her. It is hard to find somebody who knows the rules and knows how to use power and leverage within their party better than Speaker Pelosi. So Given how obvious the state of play is to Bernie Sanders, to Jayapal, to Manchin, and many others, what are you hearing about the thinking behind this forced timetable by
3: Pelosi? Well, she feels like she has to do it in a lot of ways because of a promise that she made to the moderate Democratic members and concerns that they don't get this infrastructure bill out now. They may not get either because some of those moderate Democrats may potentially walk away from that larger bill. So they want they believe if they can get some assurances that that larger bill could eventually move forward, that could be at least they can get this one victory tonight and get the second victory later on. Now, the problem that she is facing is something that she can't really control. A lot of these progressives simply don't trust Joe Manchin. They don't trust Kyrsten Sinema. They say they trust Nancy Pelosi, but they don't. Nancy Pelosi has no votes in the Senate. They need all 50 votes in the Senate, including Manchin and Sinema, to agree to that larger bill. So that's where that trust deficit is coming from. And you're talking to Democratic members in the Progressive Mm. Caucus. They want that bigger bill approved in both chambers before they even vote yes on the infrastructure bill. So even a framework, an outline of a deal that's signed off on in principle, that's not passage of a bill that become law. That is just the beginning of the process, and that is just simply not enough for a lot of those progressive members. Now, can she can change their minds? Can the Biden change their right. minds before tonight? It seems doubtful, but they've been working all day, so we'll see if anything has changed here, Chris.
1: So then it's it's fair to give a little bit of criticism about the timing, because making the promise to, conservative, uh, to the, to the uh, moderates, what, are they going to really walk away from the biggest spending bill ever? What are they going to have to show uh, for the midterms? But It is not fair to say, oh, I guess Pelosi's lost her touch or her power because she can't twist the arms of the progressives. They don't have a problem with her and she doesn't have the leverage because it's about the Senate.
3: Yeah, and the question, the criticism that I'm hearing about her is agreeing to that date, September 27th to bring up this infrastructure right. bill. Yes, yeah, she had to do that because they needed to actually pass the first part, the first the budget resolution, which actually sets the stage for that larger bill. That had to be approved first in the House. To get an agreement from those moderates, she had to agree to bring up the infrastructure bill by September 27th. Mm. But she is now I asked her today, was it a mistake to make that September 27th agreement? She said no it wasn't because at tomorrow, Friday, midnight tonight, highway funding will expire all across the country. Transportation right. programs will expire. So she says this bill is needed to extend transportation funding. But, Chris, the reality is that they could potentially, they probably will, pass a simple extension for a couple of months of existing highway funding so there would not be any lapse of funding. So there is some criticism that this date has put them in this awkward position where they can't get a deal and they look like they're in, unable to govern and they're facing a lot of criticism for not being able to deliver. And some folks, especially on the left, call it an artificial deadline.
1: You are a fair and fearless questioner. Have you ever spoken to a leader or a speaker and asked them if they had made a mistake and they said yes? never very rare I (laughs) can't remember (laughs) you can't recall you mean that's the (laughs) operative phrase Madhu Raju do me a favor uh get in my ear and let me know if there's something happening that we have to update on our watch I'll come right back to you okay
3: okay sounds good Chris. all right
1: uh, Democratic Congressman Rokana, Khanna, OK, he is in the mix. He's a deputy whip on the progressive side uh, that caucus within the party up there on Capitol Hill, very active. He's seen as a fair broker. Uh, and it's been really good to have him on the show. Congressman, thank you very much for joining us again. Of course, Chris. Good to be on. Action-filled day. So does Manu have it right?
4: He does. He has it right. We have a Progressive meeting coming up. I spoke with Senator Sanders. Here's the thing, Uh, progress seems to have been made today. At least Senator Manchin now has offered a framework. I actually hear that Senator Sinema is engaged. Uh, But we can't approve everything at at midnight. I mean, we're gonna have to see what the framework is. We need to have progressive input into the framework. Uh, But if the deadline has created a forcing function to move the debate forward, that's good. I just uh, don't expect that the bill is actually going to pass today. There's no way we can vote on something.
1: Uh, Okay. And look, let's be honest. Uh, The timing, the urgency, the confusion, uh, that's catnip for the media. You know, will it happen? Won't it happen? To me, it's really like tertiary. It's not first. It's not second. It's like a third consideration. Really, what matters here is what does framework mean? Um, When you say, uh, because Manchin will say, look, I told Chuck Schumer in July Uh, what my number was and what my concerns were with how you pay for this. That beyond what your tax rates are and what revenue you'll get, everything else is, to him, magic. That it it doesn't really exist. Dynamic scoring and the rest. So when you say you have a framework, what is that? What's the framework? I don't
4: don't think we have one. We're working towards one. But I'll tell you what Senator Manchin has done that's constructive. He said that we need to repeal a lot of the Trump tax cuts. That means he's open to raising the corporate tax rate. He's open to raising taxes on the very wealthy. He's open to raising certain capital gains taxes. You can get about $2 trillion of revenue by just doing that. And that's a solid base to start with. He's also said he's open to expanding the child tax credit. He's open to preschool. He's open to investing in our seniors. So there are areas of disagreement. I don't think we ought to be means testing some of the things there are areas where right, we want to.
1: let's talk about that role because again a lot of people you know we don't use this vocabulary all the time yeah so mansion says i'm open to giving money and they'll say because people say to him everybody in west virginia wants this first of all they vote on culture issues down there too right that's why trump won it by 40 points um he says not everybody in west virginia is equal not everybody in this country is equal you must means test and that he says is taking a look at who needs this kind of help and who doesn't drawing a line and then figure out how much to spend why don't you like that
4: for some things i think it makes sense if you're going to talk about the child tax credit to help working families that makes sense, to give that to working families and middle, uh, middle income families. For other things, it makes no sense. For example, we don't means test school. When I went to first grade, uh, I had working class kids there and there were some rich kids there. And it would be awful for this country if everything was based on economic class distinctions. We'd be more polarized. So when it comes to universal preschool, I don't think that should be means tested. And that's why we have to look at the framework where where we may agree or not agree. There may be places where are Manchin is right. Why should rich
1: people get free preschool?
4: Well, just like rich people can go to public school. I think public school ought to be universal. I think public college ought to be universal. What I don't want is... Why should rich rich
1: people get free college?
4: Well, because I want people still to go to public college. I mean, you want, first of all, most of the rich folks go to Ivy League schools anyway or other private schools. But if there have got to be places in this country, public schools, public colleges, where we have a mixing of economic class, where everyone can go, there have got to be some universal programs like Social Security, Medicare. I mean, we're all in this together, Chris, as Americans. Why can't
1: you means test Social Security? You know, just because I, you pay in, if you don't need the money... You know, why don't you figure out a mechanism where above a certain amount you get some kind of tax deduction or something, but you don't
4: get the money because you don't need it? Well, you know what you could do is you can scrap the cap. So if you're paying tax over $250,000, you are going to pay in a lot more to Social Security. But I think it's important as a principle that every American participate in that program. Me too. Be- you know, because it's a... It's so why a, don't you th- raise the cap? That would get you a ton of money. But I'm for that. Obama ran on that, actually. Back right. In, in is in Manchin 2000- in favor of that? I don't know. I mean, that, that would be something worth talking. You know what I don't understand, Chris? I, one of the things is, why can't you get, we have these siloed conversations, sort of like Mansion and Cinema are talking to the White House right. and the Speaker. The Progressives are talking to the Speaker. Why not just get everyone, have Mansion, the Progressives, the White House, the Speaker in the same room? They always do these in silo meetings. And I don't that, know. I, I don't I think, know. And maybe that's what happens here. Why you don't get you
1: country. get 50 of you guys and go to Camp
4: David? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think what will happen here is we'll have a framework, and then the progressives should get on board. But I think we should just get the key folks in one room and say, okay, where do we agree? Where do we disagree? We get an agreement. But mm. this tonight is going to move us forward. I mean, it's, what Mansion has done is constructive in saying that even Cinema voted against the Trump tax cuts. At the very least, we can have about two trillion dollars of revenue just by the repeal of the Trump tax cuts. And every Democrat is on the record opposing those tax cuts. Mm.
1: I got to tell you, Ro Khanna, this is helpful uh, because you're explaining it in a way that will make sense to people who don't follow, you know, parliamentary minutiae of what happens with the budgeting process. Uh, But you don't believe there's going to be a vote today on the infrastructure bill. And who knows? Maybe that's a good thing if it allows you to get even more done. So good luck to you going forward uh, with doing the business of the people.
4: Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity.
1: Thank you for taking it. All right. Stay with us, because Ro could be wrong. Pelosi may put a vote out anyway, although, again, why would Nancy Pelosi, right? I mean, strategists, strategist, why would she put something on that's not going to win? Would that send some kind of message that she wants to send? I don't know. I've never seen her do that before, but that will happen on our watch. We are seeing the Biden agenda face its biggest test unfolding on our watch. What happens tonight could make a very big impact on his presidency and on your life. Our political A-team on whether or not the Democrats are doing this the right way, the wrong way, and what is likely to come as a result. Next. As Democrats scramble to break this stalemate, I gotta tell you, I didn't even know that that's the right word. I mean, they weren't even really... In the same time zone about this, you know, they were talking amount, but they were worlds apart on amount. You know, Bernie Sanders wanted six to nine trillion, then they came to three and a half trillion, which they thought was like a grand bargain, and then you have Mansion at one point five, and that's not new. I don't care who tells you it's new, or who reports that it's new, or who suggests that it's new. Who's an elected? It's not new. It's been around since July, and in fact, if you need proof of it, one of the guests that we're about to have on brought it up just weeks ago about where it came from. Take a listen to this.
5: What's the overall number for the budget you know,
6: bill? I think that you're going to have to look at it and find out what you're able to do through a reasonable, responsible way.
5: So then and how do you know that at it's at not 3.5? It's going to
6: be at 1, one 1.5. We don't know where it's going to be. So
5: you think ballpark won 1.5? You just said 1.5. It sounds like 1.5. I'm just saying that basically, is
6: basically, number. Well, I've looked at numbers. If we have a competitive tax code, from a non-competitive, it doesn't help the working person that was done in 2017. That's in the one, one and a half range.
1: Look, I get why the media is more interested in price tag politics than a politician's going to be, because it is about how do you pay for it and what he thinks. But Manchin is clearly out of step with the rest of his party. He said it today. You have to elect more liberals because this is crazy liberal, and I'm not that liberal. So We got your best here to analyze it. Dana Bash, who you just saw, sticking it to Manchin to get that number out of him. And Paul Begala. So um, in terms of having seen this kind of thing before, Paul, uh, you were in the game with Clinton. You know about making deals. Have you had, other than maybe Obamacare, Democrats going at Democrats and seeming like they're not in the same party as we're seeing now? Oh,
7: yeah. Look, that's the, that's the oldest game in the Democratic uh, playbook. They, we do that to ourselves all the time. I was really struck, though, Chris, in your interview with Ro Khanna. Ro is one of the smartest people in the Congress. He was a co-chair of Bernie Sanders' mm-hmm. campaign, so no moderate he. Listen to what he did. He wasn't blasting Joe Manchin. In fact, he was respecting him. He was listening. He heard the right thing. Manchin is sending a signal here. He's saying, Look, I don't like the Trump tax cuts. I do want the rich to pay more. I want to spend at least $1.5 trillion, is how I hear him. People are calling it a top line. I'm not sure what that means. What it is is a floor. The least that the Democrats are going to get out of this is a trillion and a half bucks over and above a trillion point two for infrastructure. This is going to be. The most remarkable win for progressives they've ever had if they can just accept it. McConnell That's right. Looks like he's ready That's to accept right. it. It's
1: like take the win, Dana, right? I mean, yeah. they, they really are poo-pooing that even if the numbers are what everybody wants least, it will be the most spending since the New Deal. And almost all of it is in categories that the American people have said from everywhere on every level that they want.
5: No question about it. But So many of the Democrats who are serving, especially in the House right now, first of all, some of them, a good number of them, have not done this kind of thing before. Uh, The freshmen and even those who are in their second terms uh, were not familiar with having and haven't been in office when there has been a, a president of your own party, where you have the ability to actually get things done that you campaigned on. And... You know, for them, what they argue is we've waited too long. We've waited generations uh, and we've kicked the can down the road to say, well, we'll run on it in the next election and we'll just take a little bit now. And they're saying we're not going to do now that. Or never. I mean you, Now or never also, I mean, I'm just sort of looking at Paul Begala and thinking of how far— The Democratic Party has come since the DLC Democrat, the moderate Democrat, Bill Clinton, became president. And he was uh, uh, campaigning and he governed from the center. And now the Democratic Party is in such a different place. You hear Pramila Jayapal, the progressive uh, uh, chair, talk all the time about how it's just 4% of the Democratic caucus who don't want this. I don't know if that Actual figure is right, but she's she's not wrong. That the moderates have either retired or lost, mm-hmm. and the, for the for the most part, what you have is the so-called moderate uh, president. That's the guy who they thought Joe Biden was. He's the one pushing
1: mm-hmm. this progressive agenda,
5: and it really is remarkable.
1: Yeah, um, Paul, you know I love you. I had you on the radio show today. You're a spin doctor, baby. Oh. This is He's a here. sea change a for your party. Your party is now controlled by the progressive wing. Maybe you'll go back to saying liberals. You guys used to like that word. Um, And Jayapal, forget about AOC. Pramila Jayapal is the adult in the room who just told Speaker Pelosi tonight, yeah, no, no, I hear you. And then she sent out a tweet saying, stick with the plan, guys. I've never seen a flex like that on Pelosi, let alone any of your speakers. You really believe this is status quo?
7: Well, no, it's not status quo. I think Dana is right as well. If you think back, put it this way, a couple of years ago, Hillary Clinton, my friend, is running for president. 2016, Mm -hmm. way back in the dark ages, Mm -hmm. she proposed (laughs) the biggest infrastructure plan in history, $275 billion. Are you kidding? Joe Manchin has now called for as much spending as the entire Obamacare package, plus the entire federal highway system, if you put it in today's dollars from Eisenhower's days. Right. That's how vast this is. So in that sense, on the substance, the, the the progressives are getting the W. But if you look at the elections, which is a lot of people are looking at, and I used to do for a living, the moderates have won almost every important primary against a leftist. New York City, the Cleveland House District, uh, the Louisiana House District, that Cedric Richmond used to hold. So the moderates have, I think, the better the political argument, and they're actually giving the liberals much more than Mm. the liberals want to even realize. Good Lord, Joe Manchin is where Bernie Sanders was 10 or 20 years ago.
1: Let's see what happens. I mean, I think one of the things we're learning about our culture, I really do believe uh, that this is going to be a studied time in our history. Um, We are seeing a pendular swing. Do you remember that the era of big, with you, Begala, the era of big government is over. (laughs) Now it is bigger than ever a couple of cycles later. Dana, thank you so much for setting the table with Manchin and getting that number out there if people wanted to pay attention. It's been out there for weeks, if not months. And, Paul, we'll see what your party's about. If they blow this, it will be the most epic stealing victory out of the jaws, (laughs) stealing defeat out of the jaws of victory we've ever seen. So we'll keep an eye. Dana Bash, Paul Begala, thank you. Again, this will likely happen on our watch tonight. And that means even if it doesn't happen, because that's going to mean something about the state of play in that party. We have more breaking news also on the manhunt for Brian Laundry. There is a reason to analyze this. This, this is not uh, just about morbid curiosity. OK, we have to understand what doesn't make sense in this story. And there are two things. One of them is helped by what we're going to show you right after the break. Stay with us. All right, there is new body cam video in the Gabby Petito situation, and it is helpful. It's not just about a morbid curiosity. We need to get a feel for what the dynamic was between Gabby and her fiance, Brian Laundrie and we get a better sense of it before Utah police pulled them over for a traffic stop. It's a long conversation, but I think it matters because the police ask about a mark on her face. Now watch and listen, and then we'll discuss its relevance. Yeah,
2: is there something on your cheek here? Looks like, did, did, you, get, did you get hit in the face? Um, kind of looks like something like hit you in the face. And then over on your arm? Shoulder, right here. There's, that's new, huh? It's kind of a new mark. Oh yeah, I don't know. Can I see the other side of your face? So, what happened here and here? Um, I I'm not sure.
7: It was a. First a Brian, I was just to get in the back of the car, and, and his backpack was on the
2: back. Alpha,
7: and Alpha, and Unipar, got.
2: Me. So gotcha. the backpack gotcha. So there's two know. people that came to us and told us that they saw him hit you. There's two people saying that they saw him punch you we just independent witnesses by Moonflower. Well, to be honest, I definitely hit him first. Um, Where'd you hit him? I slapped him in the, on you, the face. You slapped him first, and then what, just on his face. You got to me, shut up. How many times did you slap Bravo, him? Yeah, Romeo, India, Alpha. November. Just a couple. And then what? And then his reaction was could, to do what? Okay, I Be hung out for I just him. He just grabbed you. Yeah. Did he? Did he hit you, though? I mean, I mean, it's okay if you're saying you hit him, and then I, and I understand if he hit you, but we want to know the truth if he actually hit you. I guess, you know,
7: I guess yeah, but I hit him first. Where
2: did he hit you? Don't, don't worry, just well, be he honest. he, like, grabbed my face, like, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, he didn't, like, hit me
7: in the face. Like, he didn't, like,
2: punch me
7: in
2: the face or anything. Did he slap but, your face or what? Well, like, he, like, grabbed me like with his nail, and I guess that's why it looks... I definitely have a cut right here, because I can peel
1: yeah. it All right, now why does this matter? One, <clears throat> forget about everything that we're looking at. It's an interesting look at how police deal with these situations, or at least this situation. Everything that you just saw, if you talk to any expert, and you will hear them commenting on this, and you probably have already, this is an abusive dynamic. Okay? Gabby is evidencing all the signals of somebody in a situation where she is afraid of getting Brian in trouble. She is afraid of what that might mean for her, and she is aware of what happened and instead of tell the truth, she tries to take the blame. That happens all the time. And the reason it matters is that if that is the dynamic, when police get involved in those dynamics, and then the two parties are separated, which happened in this one, it is not unusual for an abuser to become incensed at the loss of control and what they perceive as betrayal. So now when they get out of those hotel rooms, And they're back together again. There can be a very ugly reestablishing of a control dynamic. What can that look like? Let's get perspective from retired FBI agent, attorney and forensic investigator Bobby Chacon. Now, Bobby, I know this chapter and verse because guys like you have been teaching me this for 20 plus years.
6: Yeah, Chris, you're, you're, right on the, you're right on the money that, with this one. I mean, you hear the officer in that video say, we just want the truth, and he's trying to talk to Gabby. You're not going to get the truth from a, a woman in an abusive relationship when the guy is 20 feet away talking to other cops. They have to be removed from there. Bring them down, separate them physically. I mean, you know, bring her down to the station, bring him somewhere else. I mean, you've got to... And there are jurisdictions now because this is such an epidemic. I think over 50% of women homicide victims are victims of an intimate partner. And so... So, you know, I think some of the laws have changed where if there's a complaint or if there's a domestic violence call and one of the parties has a visible injury, the other party has to be arrested. There is no discretion because they know that the these partners tend to make excuses for the other person, particularly the woman in these type of abusive relationships. And so, you know, a lot of jurisdictions the police don't have that discretion because We often see the woman not want to press charges or they change their story or they they cover for the other person. So the laws are being changed to say, you know what, if somebody has a visible injury, someone's got to go to jail.
1: Right. Now, look, you and I, that's true. And we'll figure out the jurisdiction um, here. But it's it's a sidebar, although. Uh, God bless the Petitos uh, and the Schmidt families for wanting to talk about abusive relationships and putting a message out to women who might be in a situation like that. Them being able to think outside themselves in this kind of moment uh, is a real demonstration of of, uh, what they're about. But why do we care? We care because if that's what this dynamic is and they were then separated, now they're back together. And remember, they're in the middle of nowhere. They don't go back home, right? They're out And they wind up at that campsite, most likely. Next, how reasonable is it that in the reapproachment, it's going
6: to get ugly first? Oh, it's very likely. I mean, Gabby even says that they've been fighting for weeks and it's been getting worse. And I believe she related to her mother in some of her conversations in the weeks leading up to that, that she was getting more anxious because things were getting more uncomfortable and awkward with the two of them. You have two people that are living in a very, very close Mm -hmm. situation. They're not living in a house. They're living in a van. I mean, they are on top of each other. So arguably codependence.
1: People say they didn't have a lot of other friends. They were really about each other.
6: Absolutely. And when you take off in a van like that, the the controlling party is going to have even more control. And if they lose that control or if the other person starts exercising independence, it's going to be trouble.
1: Right. And look, people will say, oh, yeah, but it's not like she went missing the next day. It doesn't have to be the next day. Uh, These are periods of constancy and pressure and building and the fight at the restaurant. And then they're at the campsite. I'm just saying that circumstantially it's going to be a familiar pattern for prosecutors and then Gabby's body being found, not hidden, uh, speaks to a suddenness. If the cause of death is evidence of a crime of passion, this plays to a pattern that then you put together with someone going home alone and saying nothing to the family of the loved one and neither does their family for 10 days under advice of counsel highly suggestive. We'll see what the case is, Uh, but we're trying to tell the story. So we now catch up to the current. Now, Bobby, what's your take on the FBI going back to the house, saying they want some more scent material uh, and the suggestion reportedly that they may be narrowing things down?
6: Well, I think people should understand that you know, we're, we're in a period where no stone is going to be unturned. And so if they are taking that scent material to give to scent dogs, tracking dogs, so that they can finish the swamp search or go up to Fort DeSoto Park and search there. Again, we have to cover every single lead. We don't have the luxury of just picking and choosing what we want to do. So they're going through every single thing to, to determine and then rule it out if, if they don't find them. So I think that they probably have some tracking dogs. They want to use some other techniques. So they go back and the best thing to use on a tracking dog is an item of clothing that the person has used, worn uh, directly against their skin. So that's probably what they took out of there in a bag today uh, when the when the agents were there. Uh, Spitball on it for us. Two plus weeks
1: um, with a head start. What is the percentage chance that you find somebody in these situations?
6: You know, unfortunately, I want to you know, I would love to say it's higher, but I, I think it's it's if, if they do it right. Um, if They had the time to plan. They had the time to get the funds together. Um, we're in a in a kind of a, almost a post-pandemic environment where everybody's wearing masks and, and every, you know, less people are out and about, I, I, you know, I think that there's a chance that, that he could be successfully off the radar for a little while. Mm. Bobby, thank you It pains me to say that. Look,
1: absolutely. Uh, but you got to deal with the realities. Uh, and it is not easy to evade authorities, especially in a confined area. I know it's a swamp, but unless an alligator tucked him under a, a tree trunk, uh, it's not easy to hide in that kind of place with this kind of pressure on you, and it's been a long time. Thank you very much, brother. I'll give you uh, another shot at it when we get an update. Busy night here. We're keeping watch on breaking news. Uh, we will turn, though, however, to a story you just got to see. Speaking of alligators, have you ever seen a guy do what this guy did? Did you see this? I have. I have. This guy, forget about superheroes. This is my man right now. He had never done anything like this before. He figured out that trapdoor thing, taking on that alligator. And then did you see what he did afterwards down in Florida? He's not even from Florida, by the way. He then, and he's in flip-flops, by the way. He's in like slides or something. And did you see what he did after? I, I have it for you. We're back. With the man himself. This is who I want to be. The Reptile Wrangler. Next. Football game's lousy anyway tonight, so it is good for you to watch the next two things. I guarantee you it's going to change your disposition. Have you seen this video that came out of Florida? This epic showdown between a man... And an alligator. Of course, like all good things in America these days, his buddy decides to just video it with his phone and help the guy. But he is taking on the alligator with the trash can. He has never done this before. He knows nothing about alligators. He's not even from Florida. He's from North Philly. His kids were playing outside this week. They heard hissing, realized it was the gator. He springs into action. He does it. There's this boy right there with the the cell phone. Like he couldn't help. He even uses the lid as a trapdoor on this. <laughs> and it works. Amazing. And then he lifts it up. <laughs> what else do you need to see to make this man? someone you absolutely call whenever anything happens in your life that needs help he then this is the even more beautiful part what do you think he does with the alligator look what he does right i mean you'd be thinking kill it you know or call the cops you know what i mean leave it somewhere put a big rock on the top nope he goes across the street down a pond with a big ass angry alligator in there okay In slides, walking backwards, goes to the pond, taking his sweet time, and then he lets it go. And takes back his garbage can, because they're expensive. Eugene joins us now, and I finally figured out why it makes sense. Eugene's last name is Bozzi, B-O-Z-Z-I. Italian blood. I knew it had to be in there. North Philly, Italian blood. That alligator never stood a chance. It is great to see you. What do you make of the celebration of that alligator sensation?
8: Uh, Basically, I'm going to take it like this. I think the alligator was really deprived and tired after, you know, going through that ordeal. I just really wanted to make sure all parties were safe. That's why I put the alligator back in the lake, because I love animals and I respect, you know, the wildlife and all that. That's why we kind of went down the floor to, just to change the environment for my children and get them out of that concrete jungle. And. Philadelphia is kind of rough right now, so that was the decision we made uh, on the behalf of our children.
1: Listen, obviously you love your kids because who takes on an alligator? What made you think this is the way to capture the alligator?
8: I had all right, I had a few encounters. My daughter, like, riding a bike. They ride the bikes all day in my neighborhood because no cars come to the street at all, like, unless you just park in the garage. So they ride all day. They, they, like, seen a small one a few weeks ago. I threw it. The small one I grabbed it by the tail was like a little rag doll. I threw it back in there. So I, it was like a big experience. I'm like, oh, it's a really alligator. So fast forward to that day, my daughter actually came and got me and said, Dad, you really going to talk the talk man. I said, what are you talking about? She showed me. I didn't see it at first. And when I got close enough, I seen it. I was like, oh, let me get the trash can. I used it. Uh, slowed myself down a little bit. Used my Wolverine techniques. And the, the Steve Irwin came out a little bit in me because, you know, Steve Irwin before YouTube. And, you when you watched the Roman videos back then, you absorbed them in because it wasn't no rewind unless you want to, you know, rewind the tape. So, fast forward uh, to the situation, I, I, I gulped him up. I treated like a, a hungry hippo mouse. That's exactly just, what but, it was. That was absolutely yeah.
1: hungry hippo all day long. So, right, you I, say your I, military I, and, and training. And, and pretty, how did the military help you in this situation, dealing with the adrenaline?
8: Military, but military. I'm not saying training, training like to actually uh, attack or. Uh, apprehend alligators but you know to, to be under pressure to not panic and uh approach the, the situation and, and just finish the task and, and eliminate the threat so you can you can make the environment around you safe that's kind of what i did in afghanistan with my other veterans and i'm proud that i served uh, this country and i hope the country is happy for me serving you know what i'm saying so i did my time and i, I embraced that my kids i got seven daughters they embraced me they love me to death seven everything for daughters them. Yeah, yeah, I'm, um, Listen, I, I make ends meet. And I ain't tough, but it's, it's it's you know, it's tough. But we make it. We happy. We we comfortable. This an is an extra blessing. An alligator yes, is an the least of
1: your problems blessing. with seven daughters. Um oh, yeah. and look, I know you know this is dangerous stuff and you got to be careful. Next time, God okay. willing, just call never, the wildlife never,
8: never, cops. I, absolutely. I'll tell everybody to go in the house and just call the police. I appreciate that. Thank you. No, I appreciate
1: it, Eugene. Thank you for giving us a good story with a happy ending. God bless you and your seven daughters uh, and your entire family. And thank God you're safe. Thank you for letting us see somebody do something remarkable.
8: Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And thanks. Hey, I'm a big fan of you and your brother. I think you're doing a good job in the world. I appreciate you. Well, let me
1: tell you something. Neither one of us would have been within a, a zip code of where you were with that alligator. You win. But we're all Italian. So there's hope for us yet. Eugene, be right. well.
8: I'm, I'm, I'm half and half. I'm black and Italian, but I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. It's all right.
1: That's, I'll take half. Take care.
8: I'm a, I'm a, that's, a, that's a narrative we got to change. Black fathers, we're going to step up and start taking care of our kids. We're changing, we changing, we changing the future from this point forward. We're well, we going to take care of these babies and go forward.
1: Let me tell you, it doesn't get any tougher than what you did. You led with your heart and your head. Be well. Thanks Seven
8: daughters.
1: We'll be right back. We'll take a quick break. We've got the brawn and now have the beauty and spirit. You want an update on Nightbird? Here it is. She is doing what she promised. She is fighting. The amazingly talented singer whose performance on America's Got Talent made me just have to reach out to her. And Simon Cowell finally did the right thing and gave her a pass. And it's incredible. And she has cancer. She has a really tough case and she started a 10 or so week course of treatment and let me tell you she is fighting and she is doing well take a little listen
3: just think about (laughs) like don't you want to see what happens if you don't give up like don't you want to don't you want to see what happens and and that's what I keep saying to myself and that's what I say to everyone watching tonight don't you want to see what happens if you don't give up
1: I just I love everything about her. I love being in touch with her and she is fighting and she believes and she's doing better. So here's the update today. Okay, look, the cancer is bad. She'll be the first one to tell you, Um, but it's about how much quality, how much time and how she uses it. So here's a picture of the update as she's going through. Uh, There she is. There's that big, beautiful smile. I keep telling her we got to work on those guns. we got to work on those guns. It's not easy for her to put on weight right now, but she's trying. The results they're getting are good. The blood work came back, and the doctors are happy with the numbers. So, God bless. Keep going. Nightbird, we're thinking about you. We're praying you are a gift to us, and we can't wait to have you back. All right, we'll take a quick break with the handoff.